Hello, everybody. This is Hank Fortner. Welcome to Typically Hazardous, and I'm so glad you're with me. I'm right now driving in my Jeep, or I'm not driving. I'm riding in my Jeep. My man Colton is driving me to LAX, which is sort of what my life is like right now. For the last couple of weeks, I have landed in an airplane, turned on my phone and taken it off airplane mode, which I'm bad at, by the way, when they're like, put it on airplane mode. It's like, dude, I can get text messages up to 10,000 feet, okay? So, and then I turn it on airplane mode. And when I do, I usually land and then I'm told right away that I can check into my next flight, which is usually the day after. So it's been a bit crazy and there's a lot of things going on, but I made sure that I did not miss an opportunity to do the typically hazardous live recording in Los Angeles last night. We did, this is kind of fun, we did the eighth live recording in Los Angeles in August, which is the eighth month on the eighth day at eight o'clock. So a lot of eights. Uh, it was really cool. We tried some new stuff, which you're going to hear. Uh, we did some Q&A and we did some interactions and we did some some conversations and tried to figure out how do we actually apply everything that I talked about into real life practically because as you know me, I love the practicals. If you can't tell me what to do about what it is you're saying, then I don't need to know what you're saying. So there's a yes to how do I apply this to my life and how do I put it into practice now? And that's what we did. So there was some really fun stuff. There were no artists, no shrills, no frills, no no guests. It was just a lot of content and a lot of really cool interactions. And I'm so grateful for everyone who came. Uh, you're going to get to hear this talk. And I want you to know the next one is coming up in September. And we don't know when. It'll either be the beginning of September, like September 6th-ish, or it'll be the end of September because that's when uh, the Demi Nick tour ends. And I'll be back in L.A., which would be great. A um, couple of things I want to let you know about that uh, you've got to know about. At the end of this podcast, we're going to have a thing called Stuff on My Desk. So listen to the end, and when you get there or if you get bored, just FF all the way to the end, and you can hear about the Stuff on My Desk, which is some really cool things. Uh, if you're not on our email list, check it out. You can text 66866. Text that number and text the name Hank, and you will be added to our email list. Uh, 66866 and text Hank. Don't text me. If you have my number, don't text me the number 66866. That does not work. I've gotten a few of those. Uh, actually, text the number 66866. Text the word Hank, and you'll be added to our email list where I'll keep you informed on podcast recordings, new episodes that come live, and you will get the detailed email of stuff on my desk. You're awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, and please enjoy this typically hazardous talk. You ever wonder what your life would be like? What will you wish you would have done? Get after it already. What's life without a little adventure? We get one chance. Best live a big life. The exploration of the unknown. The hope for something more. This behavior can be classified as typically hazardous. I call it an adventure. Welcome. Let's get started, shall we? Tonight, Hank's trying some new things. We'll stand up, team by me. Um, so would you help me welcome him, the handsomest, daddy to my babies, <laughs> Hank Fortner. Hi, guys. <laughs> How about Sue Ann, huh? Wow. Well, hello. Well, there are people here, you know, when you're downstairs and getting ready, you just hear footsteps. So then when there's actual humans here, you really make this thing work. You know that? 
Uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, if we haven't met yet before and you're a guest of somebody, hi. Uh, my name's Hank, and we do this once a month, and we're probably going to keep doing it here. Do we like this place? I like really, really, really like it. So we've been, we were traveling around L.A. doing different spots in L.A., and then we sort of found the bootleg, and we like them a lot. So we, we're going we're gonna to stick around for a little bit. How many of you have been, this is your first ever Typically Hazardous Live experience? Just show of hands. Awesome. Welcome. Welcome, guys. How many of you have been here before? Amazing. And how many of you, you've been to all of them? Wow. Okay, amazing. So today's kind of special, my wife being one of those. Uh, today's kind of special because this is our eighth one in Los Angeles, and it's in the eighth month of the year on the eighth of that eighth month, and it's at eight o'clock. So it feels like... There's something really cool. Any, all, anyone who comes from an Asian heritage is like, because mm, the word, <laughs> the number eight in Asia is a very, very, very significant number. So I thought what I would do is try some new stuff. Would you be up for that? So I'm going to try some, a different thing because someone said something to me yesterday that really messed me up, and he's, a, and he's one of my best friends in the world. You know when you, somebody says something and they mean it as a sort of a compliment, but it sort of hurts your feelings a little bit? And then you walk away and you're like, huh, and it only hurt because it's true. You know, you have that feeling. So he said, when I come in here, I hear a Hank talk, I kind of know what I'm going to get. He's like, but that pastor, rabbi, and poet thing, I didn't know what I was going to experience. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. He meant it as a compliment, like, that, that was so awesome. And then I was like, wait, you know what you're going to get? I don't, that. And so then, I, I, then I, had to, I got to thinking. I was like, you know what? The, the, he's right. I have, like, sort of a way of that I like to do these kinds of things. So I thought that tonight I would try some uh, new stuff, okay? And by new stuff, I mean I'm going to um, talk to you. So you are a very large part of the material of tonight. Are you open to that? What that means is that uh, we're going to do three different moments where I'm going to need you to engage. You can engage at like, a, hey, I would like to, you know, psychologically engage with you. I'd like to engage with you with the ideas. I'd like to give a comment, whatever. I'm going to let you give comments and questions and those kinds of things. We'll do a Q&A at the end. And then also I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you're here tonight and you would like something in your life significantly to change, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that with us together. So I'll give you a moment if you're here and you go, man, there's something in my life I really want to change. We'll take everything that I'm going to talk about and the tools that I'm hopefully going to give you and we'll put them to work in real life, in your life here in this room, all of us together. Would that sound good? So the only way, I had a friend who told me this, he designs events in San Francisco for, for startups and he said the only way an event is really an event if it has a potential to be an absolute disaster. He said, if it doesn't, it's not an event, it's too predictable. So you know what I thought is we're going to throw out predictability, I'm going to give some thoughts, and then we're going to create some potential for some absolute disaster. <laughs> you guys down with me for that? Amazing. Okay, exciting. So today's talk is called The Me I Want to Be. Because what I find about myself is that the more I've grown and the more that I've lived my life, the more I realize that there's a great distance between the me I want to be and the one that I'm stuck with that stands in front of you today. Like I have in my mind, and, and what I realize is that the more that I engage with really successful people, the more I engage with people at the height of their game or the people at the top of their industry, the more I realize that actually what's limiting me in my life from getting where I imagine myself to be or what I imagine my life to be or the person I imagine myself to be is not obstacles and it's not scenarios and it's not what I was given and it's not talent or genetics, it's me. Like my thinking and my life and the me is in the way of all of my failed relationships. It's me who's in the way of all of my failed projects and failed ideas. The common denominator between me and the dysfunctional relationships that I've had with people is me. 
which means that the thing that's limiting me from getting where I imagine that I would be in my life, and I mean that from a very like, like carnal and material life kind of thing, like where I imagine, what I imagined I would accomplish at this age, where I imagined I would be financially at this age, what kind of car I would imagine that I could drive, or the kind of things I would have. I mean that from that standpoint, but I also mean it from the standpoint of like the kind of person that I am. Like for me, I am the, in the way of the kind of person I want to be of the me that I actually imagined that I would be. So I, I've been uh, on, on this tour, and if you haven't heard, I'm on this tour with Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas as a part of a, a process of what Demi's bringing into the world called Cast Centers, which you can find out all about it on Instagram and such. But as a part of that conversation, what's really interesting is I've made uh, great friends with this guy who's on the tour with us named Mike Bayer, who you're going to hear on the podcast really, really soon. And Mike helped me realize that I have actually... That we actually, he gave, helped me give names to the Hank that I am and the Hank that I want to be. And so we, we have different names. Because uh, if you're here, do you also have that thing where you feel like there's a you you want to be and you keep uh, falling short of that person? Anybody in the room have that vibe? You ever have that sense that you have something in your life that you would really like to change? Anybody have that in their life just by a show of hands? You have that sense that you go, if I could change this, it's like I could take that step towards that thing that I want to be or that person that I would like to be. So I have two Hanks, me personally. I don't know about you, but I like have names for those. I have free Hank, and I have handcuffed Hank. Okay, handcuffed Hank is um, is a coward who's constantly addicted to people's approval, who says yes to everything, and loves being stressed and afraid. And when the busier he is, the more valuable he feels like he is to the world. Free Hank is like this person that I imagine. He's bold and strong and makes decisions based on purpose and what brings the highest good to him and his family. The problem is that the distance between the, the handcuffed Hank and the free Hank feels so large sometimes. And sometimes the conversation, like this conversation we're having tonight, is for me, comes about because I sit there and I start going, why can't I be the one I want to be? Have you ever had that moment? Where you get like a taste of yourself. You get like a taste of the good you, of the honorable you, of the best you, the free you, and then you revert back and you find yourself doing things that are stupid or foolish and you find yourself doing this, you're like, why am I there still? Like I just feel I'm stuck in that space. See, if there's a distance between who you are and the you you want to be, you're in very, very good company. It means you're a human. And it means that you actually have a vision for who you can and will become. There's this passage in the scriptures in Romans chapter 7, written by a guy named Paul who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. And he wrote it to the church in Rome and said these words. And I'll just read a few of them. And if you've ever heard this passage, you know the kind of chaos that ensues. He says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And he keeps going and he says, and if I do what I want to do and I don't do it, then I'm agreeing that some type of law is good for me. And he goes on and on and on to describe that what I want to do, I don't do, and what I do, I hate. Because what he's saying is there's a me that I imagine and then there's a me that I am and I keep getting stuck along the way. See, that's the human experience. That's the distance that we have between you and me. And for me, so many times I hear those voices in my head of the me that I'm stuck being versus the one I want to be. And so what I'd love to do tonight is I would love to give you the tools to go from who you are right now to the you you want to be. 
the tools that I'm implementing in my life in real time. So this is not a bygones, I used to be like this and here's what I discovered on the mountaintop. This is a what I'm doing every day to survive and become the best me possible. Are you up for that? Because if we don't figure this out, we're going to look back on our life and we're going to regret that we had all this talent and all this opportunity and all this us, and we have a trail of regrets of relationships that didn't work out or projects that didn't work or opportunities that weren't seized because we weren't ourselves. You ever look back and go, I wish I could relive that, the, the person I am right now. You ever have that feeling? That's what college was like for me. When I hit 25, I think I was even a senior and I was like, I wish I could start all over. I would worry about nothing. You know what I mean? You ever, you ever have that where you go, imagine that right now. Put in your mind your 18-year-old self. What would you tell your 18-year-old self now? Don't you wish you could go back and just right into your 18-year-old life and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to worry about her or him or any of that stuff. You would just take like a really deep breath and you'd be really, really calm. You might even relate to people differently and get wound up about certain things and not wound up about others. You might engage different things more wisely. See, you right now could go back to your 18-year-old self and relive that life in a different way. You're going to say that same thing in 10 years. And you're going to say, if I could just go back to my 28-year-old self, if I could just go back to my 38-year-old self, if I could just go back to me in my 40s, then I could really, oh man, then I could really live that life. What I would like us to do tonight is take some of these tools to start to implement them so that when we say, if I could go back to my 38th year, if I could go back to my 28th year, I'd do it the same way. See, they say that wise men regret things in the future. They plan for them and go, if I don't do this, I will regret it. See, so what I'd love to do is, I would love to regret our futures. Would you regret your future with me tonight? Let's regret our futures. Okay, there's a few things we have to start thinking through. The first thing we have to start thinking through is these words from Paul in chapter 7 is really, really important. What he's describing, and he's, he's describing that what he does he hates, and that he's trying to figure out how to be that other version of himself, which we can find ourselves in that situation. But the problem is that Paul was raised in a Hebrew context, which would be that all of the Hebrew scriptures were designed around you and me living and being a part of what's called the good society. All of the laws that were ever set aside by, from God to humanity was about being a part of the good society. It meant that you were a part of the good citizenship. So all the laws where it says, like, um, it's really important things, like don't have sex with animals, and all the things that in there where it says, like, hey, don't eat this kind of food, and don't do this kind of thing, and don't do this to each other, was preserving the, the, the republic. It was preserving the people. It was preserving the us. So what, what was used to describe that was a person was either observant or non-observant. Non-observant people could do it, just did whatever they wanted. Observant people would say, I'm going to actually do with my life what these laws are saying so that we can together become that society. It means that you and I were actually in our lives right now. We actually have the capacity to be the citizens of that new life. That you and I... When we have these words that God describes, or when you embrace that new self, you know what that calling is, that you can be a different person? That calling inside you that you have a different you, you have a new you, you can be more, that inside of you is the, is the good society, and it's pulling out of you and drawing you towards it. That you would go, yes, I want to be better. I want to breathe the highest version of myself. I want to be the highest good. I want to move to that. That's the new and good society. 
See, when the scriptures describe in different things that we are citizens, Jesus said these words. He said, they are not of this world. When he said they are not of this world, what he meant is that not that the people who follow Jesus are people who are of a different world, like a different planet or a heaven or something like that. He meant we're not of this broken world. We're of the one we're creating together. He meant we're not of like a different place. He meant we're not of this one, the one that's broken, the one that keeps shooting each other, the one that keeps turning away refugees, the one that keeps creating wars, the ones where people die of diseases we can cure, the ones that people die of things that we can give them like clean water. We're not of this world. You know what we are is we are citizens of that world we are making together by observing how we can become our best. It was a pulling of all of us into being the us we can be which means that in this room, all of us, we have another version of ourselves, and we as a society, we need you to get there. This is not about you achieving your goals or your dreams, although that may be a part of it. This is not about you just feeling taller and more brave. This is about us needing you to get there because we want to be a part of that different world that can only be when you step into your own citizenship of the you you want to be, where you step in and say, Okay, I'm going to move from the old me to the new me. We need you to be a part of that. Are you with me tonight? Can we do that together? Okay, there's a couple ways we're going to need to do that. Now we're going to get really, really practical, okay? There's a couple of things. When you have a thing in your mind that you want to change about your life, and I'd love for you to think about what that thing is. This is a thing you want to change about your life, a thing you want to change about you. Oftentimes it's split into two different categories, and most of the time there's a correlation, So I'll give you an example. The correlation is essentially this. There are things we say we want to stop doing. That would be like, I, for me, I want to stop saying yes to everything and overcommitting myself and being busy and feeling like somehow that's being productive or that that makes me matter. The problem is that that's a thing I want to start doing. So then we could, what we could do is uh, we could fall into the trap of thinking, okay, well, I just got to start saying no to things. But the problem is that I'm actually addicted to saying yes to stuff. That's the doing that is causing crisis in my life. But reality is there's a B category. The reason that I'm doing that is because I'm being a certain way. I'm being addicted to people's approval. So I don't say no to you because I don't want you to be mad or disappointed in me. And I'm addicted to the anxiety that there's this voice in my head that says at some point everyone's going to wake up and realize that I'm like a talentless void of value. And if someone asks me to speak somewhere, they're having a lapse in judgment, so say yes now or they will never ask you again. And you have this panicked feeling. That's how I'm being. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of not having enough, not having enough opportunity, or I'm afraid of disappointing you. I see faces in this room of people that I know and love, and I'm af- I've been afraid of disappointing you in my life. So if you've asked me for something, if we've seen each other, I would just, yes. And I oversay yes, and guess who pays the price for me doing those things? My soul, my life, and the people who are closest to me that I would say my highest value, like my family. See, there's a correlation. I'm doing this, and this is a problem for me, but I'm being this way, and that's my issue. I have to get to the sickness, not just the symptom. Does that make sense? So there's things in your life right now we could start thinking through. Some of you are are using needle drugs, and that needs to stop. Some of you are doing things and you're becoming addicted to things like pornography or alcohol or you're becoming addicted to things like hookups or you're letting sex addiction slip into your life. The problem is that's a doing and the more you try to adjust that doing, the less likely it's going to affect who you are, which if you get rid of the sex addiction, you'll just find another one. 
See, the reality is that we have to find out why we're escaping. We have to dig into what it is that we're trying to change about ourselves and figure out what took us to that to begin with. If I could go, I've read read books about how to say no. It doesn't work for me because I'm addicted to the approval part. I need to read that book. I need to go through that process. I need to think through those things. Does that make sense? So you have to correlate those two things, the do and the be. So if you, have cop, uh, if you have notes, if you have a piece of paper, if you have a pen, whatever it is, write down a list of a few things you're doing that you were exhausted by doing and wish you wish you could stop. That you wish you could go, I wish I could just stop doing this in my life. You know what my, one of my other do's are? Is I wish I could stop... I wish I could stop having an adversarial relationship with people who are my boss. I've done that my whole life. That's a doing. So you know what I could do is I could read a leadership book about how to lead upwards or whatever without realizing that I'm probably over here going, I have this urgent voice in my head that says, if you have a boss, you're a loser. And I ruin their day because I'm having this voice in my head. That's how I'm being. Does that make sense? You guys with me? So come together with your do's. What do you wish you could stop doing in your life? And then I'm going to give you four things you can do and three things you need, and then we'll get to your life. Ready for this? You guys with me? Okay, so make, make, make your list. You know what? We're going to even, we're going to even do this. Um, I'm going to give you a second. They're going to turn on a little bit of music. If you came with a person that you know, and they're sitting next to you, just start to have a short conversation. This is going to be 45 seconds to a minute. If you're here and you're by yourself, you can use the universal symbol of don't talk to me, which is just to have your iPhone out, okay? <laughs> and if you do that, then no one is going to bug you and no one will bother you. So just pull out your phones. I want to make a list of here are the things in my life I'd like to change. I want to change. I want to stop doing this. If you already know, go to the, I need to stop being this way. I'm, this is the source of these things. Add those together, and then I'll go through the four things we can do, the three things we need, and then we'll go in together. Ready? Add some music. 45 seconds to a minute. Ready, set, go. No man's he's had this conversation. No man's forest, tries to be one. I've seen your insides they're colorful 30 seconds 30 seconds Sean on an island even if you try to be one with me if I had a problem then so did you alright you ready? That's so, that, that music is like perfect. It's like, that's the kind of music I listen to when I'm going to journal or cry. Like, I feel like that's a perfect, which you might be doing both right now. So here's what I discovered. All the things that you wrote down and all the things that you feel like you need to change in your life, the things that I'm addicted to that cause that drama in my life, part of the reason that it's so hard to change is that most of the time that's an involuntary muscle and it just sort of happens. So the question is, just like Paul was describing in Romans 17, he says, every time I try to do good, evil is right there with me. Every time you and I try to change something, your brain hates you for it. More importantly, you have all these involuntary muscles that are just doing those things. So the question is, if you're, if you're addicted to a thing like sex, and you're like, yeah, we just went to dinner, and then it turned into more than that, are you responsible for that? 
The reason you're responsible for that is because you had involuntary muscles. When you say, I didn't mean for this to happen, I 100% believe you. Whether it was angry, yelling at your children, or whether it was a hookup you didn't mean to have happen, or whether it was a shouting or a demoralization of a relationship, or it was doing something, or it was a cheating, or a stealing, or something that happened that you go, I just can't believe I did that again. I didn't mean for that to happen. Check it out. I know you didn't. Your involuntary muscles pulled that off for you. You were a passenger along the way. It's what Paul is describing in Romans 17, going, every time I try to do it, evil is right there with me. When I try to do good, there seems to be evil. What he's describing is the relationship of what I want to do to my involuntary muscles. Here's what, I'm, what I've discovered in my own life and how I've begun to address these things. If you decide right now that you are going to will your involuntary muscles to change, you will be sorely disappointed, exhausted, and you're going to be no fun to hang out with at a party. You can't just will your involuntary muscles to change, but it's how we treat each other, and it's how we actually treat ourselves. Anybody in this room really hard on yourself, like in your own mind? I say things to myself I wouldn't say to like my worst enemy. Anybody else like that? Like I'll walk away from something and be like, you stupid mother, and I will just rip myself and I think if somebody, if somebody was saying that to someone near me, I would intervene. But I let it happen. Because I tell myself, oh, I just, have to, I just have to will my involuntary muscles to change. There was a season in my life that I'm not proud of where my resting heart rate was about 87. Okay? If you're familiar with cardiovascular health, that's not good. Okay? At, a, at 22 years old, my resting heart rate should not be 87. I was watching an episode of, fam, of uh, Modern Family, and Claire, who's one of the women on there, said, and, and one of the confession things, she said, my resting heart rate is a 46 or something. And I was like, huh, I wonder what my resting heart rate is. Put my hand up to my throat, started doing a timing. I took my pulse 13 times thinking that just can't be right. I started Googling it and realizing that a 21-year-old's resting pulse should be somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 or 60, and that if you're in the high 80s, you are at, at risk for early cardiovascular unhealth. That's a problem for me. Now, that's the same as the moment that you had when you started making a list and realizing there's things about my life that I would like to change. You go, okay, I need to do something. Now imagine that I'm sitting in my apartment going, slow down, heart, slow down. You stupid heart, slow down. And I would get more and more mad. Imagine how ridiculous that would be. But it's exactly the same when we try to change involuntary things that we're doing that we go, I just keep finding myself in this relational rut, this thinking rut, this limiting behavior, this addiction. I keep finding myself here is because we're staring at our heart going slow down. The way that you adjust your heart rate is the way you adjust all of your involuntary muscles. You have other involuntary muscles right now. You have a digestive tract that's going crazy. It's going crazy. I, I can't begin to just say things that won't gross you out unbelievably of what's happening with your digestive tract. And some of you are like, by the way, the bootleg is awesome, but the bathrooms, the porta potties, we gotta, we gotta take up a collection just to get them some bathrooms. You know what I'm saying? Your digestive tract is holding on for dear life so you don't have to go to the bathroom at the porta potties outside. That is an involuntary reaction. But what your body digests when it digests junk and then you get cancer? your involuntary reaction, and then we stare at the cancer or we stare at the doctor and we say, we gotta fix this somehow. But it all is involuntary. And then your eyesight, you know what's crazy, is right now my eyesight is going. It's doing it again. I go through seasons in my life where my eyesight starts to really fade away. And right now when I look at a distance at night to see a street sign, 
I gotta be like right up on that sucker to know what it's saying. So I'm driving, and today my four-year-old goes, Dad, turn! My four-year-old in the back seat is telling me to make a turn because I couldn't like see the street sign. I didn't know what was going on. Because I can I can see cars and I can see shapes and I can see people. Don't, you know, freak out or whatever. <laughs> but I can't see the small print on things that I used to be able to see. Because but that's an your eyesight is an involuntary muscle. It's the same with your heart, it's the same with your lungs, it's the same with your body. If you want to change your involuntary muscles, if you want to change those things you keep doing that keep limiting you and hold you back, you have to step into your voluntary muscles. In order for me to change my involuntary muscle that is my heart, I have to start exercising a lot. And at 22, when I realized that my heart rate was in resting 87, I started running and training for a marathon and I started doing rigorous exercise. Check it out. All of that voluntary exercise had such an effect on my involuntary heart rate that I got my heart rate below a 50 as a resting heart rate. I changed my involuntary muscles with the use of my voluntary ones. It's the same with our digestive tract. I found out that uh, my body doesn't like certain things. Anybody have any food allergies by show of hands? That's, you probably don't actually have like a food allergy. You probably have an allergy to the chemical they made and turned into a thing shaped like food that you started eating and your body said, this is not normal. We probably all have it. But if you want to change things about your body, you have to change the voluntary ones so that the involuntary ones don't come around and kill us. If I want to change things about my eyesight, I, went to, I talked to my friend who's an eye doctor at a birthday party and I said, yeah, my eyes are doing that thing again. And I went to him last time. He said, two reasons stress and your iPhone. He said, your eye is a muscle. It's an involuntary muscle. And if you focus up close all the time, you teach it to stay wide open and you teach it to stay close. Then when you try to look at a distance, your muscle is weak and it can't see at that distance. See, you and I, we are using our involuntary muscles the same way that our voluntary muscles have taught us to. See, it's the same way with things in your life that you want to change. When you want to change something about your life, oftentimes the thing that we see is this involuntary reaction. I get angry and I explode. I melt down these relationships. Why am I still single? Why do I do things that are destructive to myself? Why do I keep doing things that sabotage my career? I keep getting in the same place over and over. Our marriage has this dysfunction. You're talking about involuntary muscles that are happening outside of your consciousness. When in reality... Your voluntary muscles got you there. So tonight, here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to give you four things you can do to change the voluntary muscles that will affect the involuntary ones. You with me? The first thing I want to do is I want to invite you to visualize. That's number one. The most important thing you can do is visualize, actually visualize the you you want to be. That could be something to do with your health. That could be your marriage. That could be your career. That could be your life. I want you to visualize and draw a vivid picture Paint it out, draw it out, write it out, graphic design it out, take a photograph of it, tell someone about it, write it out with such vivid articulation that you can see it every time you close your eyes if you ask for it when you're mind. You have to be able to visualize. Now here's the power of visualization. The power of visualization is that your brain is lazy. Your brain is so lazy, in fact, that it only does what it knows. So teaching your brain at an older age, how many people are over the age of 16 here? Show of hands. Okay, great, most of us. How many of you are over the age of 25 here? Show of hands. Fantastic. Your brain doesn't actually fully develop until the age of 25. So if you're below 25, you've got a lot to look forward to, okay? <laughs> and if you're, under 25, if you're under 25 here in the room and you've ever done something really, really stupid, you can just blame it on the fact that your brain is not fully formed <laughs> and there was, you were not thinking. 
But at 25, your brain stops forming, and what it starts doing from now to the end of your life is it gets really, really lazy. Some people even say that your brain is the only organ that hates you. Because what it's not going to want to do is change. So it does anything familiar to it, which is why it turns that way. When you visualize who you want to be, you visualize the life you want to have, the kind of person you want to be, and you visualize it all the time and you can see it in your mind, your brain thinks it's real. And then it will make all the tiny little decisions around getting you to be that person or to get to that place. Doesn't that sound a lot like prayer? Doesn't it sound kind of crazy that most of prayer in the early days to the early fathers was actually a visualization and a meditation? You would picture what you wanted God to do for you. And then God would intervene in society or he would answer your prayer and yet in some strange way it also had a lot to do with the decisions that you made also to get to that place. Isn't God using your brain and the way that your brain is made up and the way you are made up to get to the same place where he wants to meet you in that future that you can hear inside of you? See, maybe it's that God doesn't answer your prayer and get you to where you want to be. Maybe he's the one who's telling you where he wants you to go. Maybe the rest of it is up to you. Because see, there's two schools of thought. If you want to change, God will change it for you. That's one school of thought. The school of thought is, if your heart rate is an 86, ask God, he'll lower it to a 50. One school of thought is that if you want to change as a human being, you have something in your life right now you want to change, just give it to God, and he'll just change it. That's one school of thought, which you can tell I'm super pumped about. (laughs) The other school of thought is that God gave you voluntary muscles that have a dramatic and powerful effect on those involuntary muscles that are causing you problems to begin with. And that God gave you the power to get to where he's whispering into your soul you can be. So that in this room you would go, God, I want to get there. And you would speak that over and over and over. And God gave you a brain that will actually get you there as long as you keep imagining that place of that vision of who you could be inside you. That's the visualization part. I want you to, number one, visualize who you want to be. I do this right now being married. Sue Ann shared... Uh, comedically, that we had a terrible seventh anniversary. (laughs) Most of that was my fault, as you probably guessed. Because what happens to me is I get into this involuntary muscle thing, and I just, I'm just, I'm an emotional spaz sometimes. Anybody like that at all? Like I'm an emotional three-year-old child sometimes. So what I do now is I visualize every single day the kind of husband I want to be. I just visualize it. We're not in a fight, I'll just be driving, and I will just have in my mind the kind of husband I want to be. So I know that I'm teaching my brain, I'm going to be this person. So when we get into that fight or get into that weird conversation or it starts to feel like, oh no, ever been in those dates where you're like, this is going to go so bad, I can't even turn it around. Sometimes I just ride that sled right into that brick wall. I just go, you know what, it's going to happen. We're just going to walk away. When I start feeling that, then I go, no, 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 I've been here before in my mind. I knew the kind of person that I was going to be. You can visualize who you're going to be. The second thing I want you to do in step number two is to your will. The first, invo- the first voluntary muscle you will use will be your will. To, your will to choose. To say, not only is this the kind of person I want to be, the place I want to be in my life, the kind of husband I want to be, the kind of father I want to be, the kind of man I want to be, the kind of woman I want to be, now I'm going to grab and I'm going to garner the will to actually get myself there. The will to get yourself there. Here's the deal. Your will is a muscle. It comes from your brain and your soul tied together, and oftentimes your will is where the whole battle starts. 
Because you can decide you want to have a lower heart rate, decide you want to get over your addiction or stop sabotaging your relationships or stop being that person that keeps running into that same spot. But if you don't have the will to face it, if you can't muster that will, that's the first muscle. And your will is a muscle. You have to keep teaching it. If you, you might even be here tonight and you go, I want, to lose, I want to lose 50 pounds. Your visualization of you 50 pounds lighter is step one. Step two is deciding, is having the will to say, this is when it's going to happen. Your will is your first voluntary muscle. The third thing, after you've visualized and after you have the will to see it through, you have to act. There's an action in place. Most of the time what we do, if you think through our dysfunctional situations, we go, oh, this is a thing about myself I don't like. I'm just going to change that right now. And it rarely works, and it's really short, and it just sort of disappears. But instead of realizing, I have these things inside me, I'm going to visualize who I could be, and then I'm going to will myself to move, and then I'm going to act. The fourth thing I want you to do is repeat all three steps. (laughs) Visualize, will, act, and repeat. Now, here's where uh, people usually get into trouble, and where I've gotten into trouble. I'll say things like, you know what I want to do is I want to save a million dollars. Or I'll say things like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to, this is a serious thing that I said to myself, I'm going to back squat 350 pounds. That was my goal, right? When I first back squatted ever, my first heaviest back squat when I first started was 95 pounds. And I said, I'm going to do 350. Well, right when you hit that 200 pound wall, which I did hit, then you're like, I'm never going to get to 350. It's pretty much over. You know what we do is we go, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And I had a friend sit across the table from me going, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. And I said, no, you're not. And he's like, what are, you, what are you saying? No, I've got to believe this. I've got to believe this. I've got to believe this. I said, no, you know what you're going to do is you're going to lose one pound. And then you're going to lose another one. And then you're going to lose another one. And then you're going to lose another one. What your brain hates, what your soul hates, is it hates big change. Your brain actually physically hates change. Remember, it's the only organ that hates you. When you want to change, you know what it says is, uh-uh. No, 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 we're very comfortable. We don't like burning those calories because evolutionarily, they're not necessary. You don't burn those calories. You don't have to think of those. I'm going to keep those on my body. You burn so many calories and so much energy changing, you have to trick your brain. You trick your brain by doing small things, by deciding one small thing that you will repeat every single day, and that repetition will begin to slowly but surely change those voluntary muscles which will change those involuntary muscles and you will get to be the you you want to be. Find the one small thing that right here in this room you go, these are some things I'd like to change. What one small thing could you stop? Could you pause and take a deep breath and go, man, I could change those things. For me, I'm changing those things in the way that I think and it's alarming when you first start. You know what I think is I'm so addicted to approval and I'm so addicted to those things. You know what I've started doing is saying, how would I write this email if I did not care if this person liked me? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's not been good for me though. <laughs> because sometimes I can be a dick. And that's alarming to me because I've been really, really nice to people for a really long time. And what's alarming to me is I've been nice to them because I got approval from them, which is something I wanted. I wasn't genuinely kind on the inside. That's alarming to me. And even Sue Ann, I was sharing that with her. Sue Ann, and she goes, yeah, she goes, I've seen moments where there's like these little windows where I don't care, and I'm not nice or kind or the person I want to be. But as long as I'm nice and as long as I'm playing along or as long as I need something from you, I'm going to be super, super kind. And obviously that's not every moment or that's not every person. And right now, if I didn't care, it's not like I would like just paintball all you guys in the face or anything <laughs> terrible. But I, 
but it, it was alarming to me because it's, I'm, I'm not the person I actually want to be. So what I start doing is taking a deep breath and paying attention to saying, if I didn't care if this person liked me, how would I handle myself in this conversation? And then I reflect and I go, ah, oh, I'm not as kind as I thought. I'm not as patient as I thought. Oh, you know what? I'm not actually as sharp as I thought because I was just complying. But if I didn't care about complying, then I don't know that I would have another solution for this guy anyways. But I tell myself, I'm not as smart. He's not as smart as me, but whatever. I'll just keep going along with it. You start to pay attention and ask yourself, what thing can I do every single day? The thing I've been thinking since my seventh year anniversary is I start to think, what one thing can I do every day that makes me the husband of the year one year from today? That night, I had this thought while we were driving. I said, okay, I'm going to do one single thing, ask one single question every day to go. When we hit our eighth anniversary, Sue Ann takes a deep breath and goes, you're the best husband I've ever had. <laughs> That's what I want. Okay. You guys with me? Okay, well, that means that someone in this room, you have something that you need to change, and I want to invite you to stand up and let us know what that thing is and that together we could think through how we could kind of change those things. So you might be here and you might know what it is and you go, here's the thing that I do and here's the things that I be and here's what I can repeat every day as I start to change things. And you might be here and you might go, I'm just not sure what it is. And uh, we can talk through some of those things and this is the part where you are the material for the rest of our 13 minutes together. Sound good? If you're here, just go ahead and raise your hand and then uh, they've got mics and they'll come over. Anybody have anything in their life they want to change? Yeah, my man. Go ahead and stand up and he'll give you the mic. Hello. What's your name? Saeed. What is it? Saeed. Saeed? Yes. Awesome. Nice to meet you. Great pronunciation. Awesome. Um, What do you want to change about your life? uh, I have a really bad relationship with scheduling. Okay. Um, Anybody relate to that? Okay. (laughs) Um, it, it, It affects me... In my marriage, because my wife is a big logistics person. Okay. In business, because uh, logistics are very important um, in what yes. I do. Uh, and just schedule-wise, I, I say yes to a lot of things because I like the freedom of being able to see I can do whatever I want. Yep. So So you have a hard time scheduling because you over-schedule or because you don't show up when you have scheduled something? Um, both. Got it. Yeah. Um, that's the do part, right? Have you figured out what the B part is yet? Uh, I think the B part is that I don't feel like I've chosen my life. So in every part of my life, I want to feel like I'm in charge. Yeah. It's like um, if I were to pick the B part and describe for you, can I guess what that might be? Mm-hmm. That you are a one-man resistance. And that everybody around you all the time has made decisions for you in your life and in your future. Mm-hmm. And your only way of getting it back was to not show up. That is very true. That'd be possible? <laughs> yeah. That the doing part is actually an addiction that you have to the feeling of freedom. Mm-hmm. So even though there's people who put things into the future for you, you go, yeah, cool. I can commit to that in the future. And then <laughs> I, need, I cannot show up if I want to hold my freedom. Yes. That's your green card. Mm-hmm. That's your way out. So what's your, what's your practice? What's your actual? What, by the way, do you want that to change? Uh, big time. Big time. Why do you want that to change? Uh, it doesn't feel good letting people down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a huge anxiety that I get when, like right after I don't show up for something or right after I miss an appointment or right after 
Like, I just get this anxiety because I do want to do yeah. all of these things that I've set up to do. Man, isn't, isn't that crazy? We know you're doing it to get your freedom back, and now you're a prisoner of your own anxiety about yeah. having your own freedom. Isn't <laughs> yeah. that gnarly? How, our, how we, we trap ourselves in that. Mm-hmm. Who do you feel like pays the biggest price for you not changing? Hmm. Uh, probably myself and my wife. Yeah. So what's your, what's your, what's your, isn't he so brave? Isn't he awesome for diving into it? Okay. So what's the plan? What's the plan? Uh, well, there's visualization. Yeah. That's got to be the first step. <laughs> I love it. He's good. Who do you want to be, Said? Who's the you you want to be? Who's the, how do you want to relate to the people around you, the schedule around you? And how do you want to choose your life in the future? Hmm. I don't know. I would say that I have a very good picture of what I want to be, and it's fueled by a lot of the good intentions that people have set for me in the future. Um, yeah, but we don't care about those. Okay. What we care about is the who you want to be, regardless of their intentions, the you, how you want to be. Um, I, I want to accept myself. And I want to accept uh, the choices I've made that put this life together. Um, and I, I want to accept the fact that I actually am free. I'm an adult. Yep. Hold and you. I'm not a victim. 30. 30. Yeah. And you're not a victim. That's the you you want to be. How yes. does that person wake up in the morning? How does that, that free Saeed wake up? Um, anxious. Free Saeed wakes up anxious? Or maybe happy. Yeah. That's, that's the opposite. <laughs> okay. Anxious is how I wake up now. Yeah. So that's bad. Yeah. yeah. Which your brain did to you just now because it hates you and it wants you to stay that way. <laughs> yeah. You would wake up happy. Mm-hmm. And you would wake up free. And everything on your uh, calendar and your appointment you would choose. And you'd wake up with no anxiety. And when there was nowhere to be and nothing to do and no hurry, are you in a hurry a lot? Yes. When there was no hurry, you would have this sense of calm and peace. Mm-hmm. Where you could look your wife in the eye and your friends in the eye and you'd have this sense that life was just as it should be, no matter what was going on. Mm. Can, you see how, can you see how that takes practice to start to go, how can you visualize that? Visualize you waking up in the morning and just popping your head off the pillow and making coffee and imagine having 20 or 30 minutes to just have breakfast and coffee with your wife with no rush or hurry to get anywhere. Yeah. Where you could just take a deep breath and go, isn't life beautiful? And you could sit together in the morning and you could go, man, what are we going to do today? <laughs> we get to decide. We got to choose this. And you could tell her about the things that you were excited by. What I'm describing, your brain right now is telling you that's a fantasy that will never happen. That's mm-hmm. crazy talk. You have to visualize that and believe it's there. Mm-hmm. And then you have to say, I'm going to get there and I'm going to do that. What would be your actions? What could you do every day aside from visualizing it? What could you do every day to get you there? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm a victim of my schedule a lot. So, like, actually scheduling things for myself. Right. Um, and scheduling things that I, like, scheduling enjoyment and kind of peace into my day. Because uh, I don't do that now. Yeah. I'm kind of extreme procrastinator in that point when it comes to myself. Yep. So... Which know. robs you and robs us of the society we live in because you are who you are. Mm-hmm. So we lose because of that. You lose because of that. Your family loses because of that. 
So what I want to invite you to do is to, is to have a filter. This means you're going to have to find a person. Oh, and I didn't even tell you what the three things that you need, did I? Okay, and we're going to use you, Saeed. I'm going to give you the three things you need. The first one you need is you need an example. You need a visual example of the person that you want to be in this category in your life. And it doesn't have to be everywhere. What I've found in my life is that I used to have mentors, and I'd be like, I'm going to live my life just like that guy's life. The problem is that that guy's life then takes a weird turn or does a strange thing, and you're like, okay, lost him, so now my compass is gone, right? And it's hard to embrace like the whiplash of like idolizing someone and being like, I never want to be that guy, and now I've got to find somebody. And then you're like a free agent, like, okay, okay, yeah, I'll be like you when I'm older. So what it takes is you have to find examples in your life in certain arenas. So I have an example for podcasts. I have an example for speaking. I have an example for books I want to write in the world. I have an example for careers, finances, parenting, fatherhood, all of that stuff. Find an example where you go, I want to have that guy's pace of life. But at first, it's a pace of his mind. You have to find that example. The second thing you need is you need a guide. Your guide, my guess is, is probably going to be right there next to you, your wife. Now, if you, if you feel um, a tension and that's not good for your marriage, find a different guide. Okay. But find somebody that helps you filter what's important and what's not every single day so that that's set for you. Because you need an example, but you also need a guide. The third thing you need is you need a companion. You need somebody else who goes, yeah, me too. I suck at that. I have people in my life uh, just as addicted to approval as I am, and we get to look at each other and be like, can I tell you what I did? Can I tell you how I made my kids suffer because I needed someone's approval? I was looking through my phone on a plane. You know when they have planes that don't have Wi-Fi? What is this, the dark ages? I, <laughs> I had a plane that didn't have Wi-Fi, so I'm just cruising through my pictures on my phone, just looking at the old ones, you know, where you go through, like, memory lane? Mm -hmm. I found pictures with me and my daughter that uh, are moments I don't remember. Hmm. I have no memory of that from two years ago because I was so anxious and so wrapped up in my schedule and in the demands that I had and in making other people happy, I held my own daughter and I don't remember where. I don't even remember, I wasn't there in my head, I was some other place. Do you have kids yet? Yes. How many kids do you have? One three-year-old daughter. One three-year-old daughter, oh man. Do you think she pays any price for this? Yes. So when we come to that place of like your will, what we need for you to do, what we need your, you need, what your daughter needs you to do is to take a deep breath and go, I gotta embrace this, I gotta find my example, I gotta find my companion and I gotta find my guide so I can navigate this. Because what I don't want for you is what I experienced, which is seeing pictures and realizing like, I was so stressed and busy, I have no memory of that experience at that moment. But I know my daughter does. I just don't want her to remember me as busy. Hmm. Yeah. I want her to remember me for another thing. Mm -hmm. Man, we are, I'm, you're so brave. And isn't he awesome? <laughs> yeah, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Awesome. Okay, we're now, Saeed, you were, you're just amazing. And that was, was that fun for you guys? Because I really enjoyed you sharing like kind of how that applied. We'll move into like another piece now where I'll just open it up for um, questions or comment. You might be here and you're like, hey, I got a question. I've seen that in my life or I've seen that there. You have questions about sort of where this fits in our life. We have about um, seven minutes left and I want to make sure that you might even be here and you have a question about my life or where that fits or a question about what's happening here or something like that. Uh, questions, go ahead. You can throw your hands up and then we'll um, travel around. There's someone in the darkness in the back. I cannot see you. Yeah, go ahead. What's your name? 
Dahlia, your voice in the darkness. I really can't see you, so I'm just going to trust. Okay, there you are. Yes, my name is Dahlia. Hi, Dahlia. So I had a question about, uh, Saeed's example was a physical thing of scheduling and yep. doing things. What about things that are mental and uh, think, thoughts? Oh, that's and a great question. those types of thoughts that just get in there and then you don't realize that you're thinking them until it's too late. Can you give me an example of some of those thoughts? Uh so I'm, I'm an artist, I'm a songwriter, I sing, and I hate everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And it, I struggle a lot with completing things because I hate everything I do. Mm-hmm. And I've been given really amazing opportunities of working with great people, and I don't put my best foot forward because I hate everything I do. Yep. Uh, yeah. so can I ask you a question? Sure. Do other people hate everything you do? Because there's two options here. One is that you are too hard on yourself, and the other is that you're accurate. Does that make sense? And I don't even, I don't even mean that as a bad, I mean, like sometimes there's the, for artistry, and I'll take this to like a higher level piece of artistry, and that's where I want to know which one it is for you. For higher level artistry, if you meet an actor who's extraordinary in their craft, they hate every single little small thing that they've done, and that's actually what pushes them to greatness. So it either means that you're too hard on yourself or you're really, really ridiculously good and you've actually, what you're seeing that you hate about it is small changes that you would make that other of, most of us wouldn't even notice. Does that make sense? So that's why I ask, it's really important to have other voices, other companions in your life. Uh, Do other people hate what you make? Um, They don't hate it. I I get a lot of you're so close, you have a lot of potential. Keep working, keep going at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of, I feel like I bust a lot of opportunities that I'm given. You bust them why? Out of fear. Out of fear. Okay, yeah. so, so there's a couple of, couple of things at play here. The one thing that you asked, and I think it's important that, I'm, that I may have skimmed over, is your mind is an involuntary muscle that's strengthened through voluntary thoughts. So that's an important first piece, is that some of our thoughts that go to dark places that make us less. Those are involuntary thoughts that oftentimes we don't summon, but they come to us. And then when they hit us and they get stuck there, the having of them is not the dangerous part. It's the perseverating and the recalling and the bringing them back, and it's agreeing to that voice that becomes a problem. That's my beard, by the way, making that noise. Time to trim. Okay, so, so check this out. Those dark voices that come to you, they come to most of us. Anybody here have a dark voice in your head every now and then? The, the difference is, it's so important to not make a deal with that dark voice. You cannot agree with it. What you have to do in this space, what we have to do when we have thoughts in our mind that take us to dark places, those places could be what I'm doing and what I'm creating and what I'm doing with my life sucks. See, I have those kinds of thoughts and those kind of ideas in my head about me as a person, and I will tell you a secret. I hate everything that I do. I hate ever, I, I, everything I've ever written. I've been like, nah, it totally sucks. And I wrote a book proposal, and I was like, ah, this totally sucks, so we'll make it pretty and graphic. And then uh, two publishers have, have made offers on that book proposal that I thought sucked. And I'm not sure I'm going to accept them because I'm not sure that I, it, it's good enough yet. Does that make sense? Because I have these thoughts that slip into my mind. So there's two pieces. There's one where you have to go, in my life, I'm going to embrace the voluntary thoughts that I can put in my head. So when I have involuntary thoughts, they will be ones that drive me to who I want to be. That's step one. So step one is to figure out what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to achieve? And then 
having those thoughts, believing those thoughts, praying those thoughts, meditating those thoughts, speaking those thoughts over your life. That's number one. Number two, as an artist, is any, how many people here in the room, this is a dangerous question, how many people here in the room are, are, are professionally artists? Okay, wow, okay, yeah, amazing. Okay, so those of you in this room would, uh, Dolly is your name? Yes. How many of you would be uh, willing to just sort of wrap this around with Dahlia afterwards, um, like over here by the door, who would just go, hey, I'll talk to you about that, because I kind of deal with some kind of a similar thing. Anybody in the room? Yeah, one or two. Dahlia, would that be cool if a couple people just started processing a little bit of like what that means and what's in there from the artistry standpoint? Does that make sense? Okay. Would that be cool with you? Yeah. Would that be helpful? But here's what I want need you to really, really know. What I need you to know is that oftentimes when you're an artist and when you're making something with your life, you can have a thought that I hate this thing that I'm making, but it's really hard to separate what you're making from you. So what I want to invite you to do is to not let those thoughts, it's okay to hate the art because it's a thing that you made, but it's not okay to let that somehow slip into hating the you that made it. Does that make sense? Yes. That's what I want to make sure you don't leave this room without knowing is that you're on a very dangerous line where that could creep in and then you start being a person that makes bad things instead of an art form that is being crafted into a beautiful art form. Because if people are telling you you're almost there, you're almost there, you're almost there, they, would, they do not tell me that about my painting and my sculptors. They tell me you should find something else. If people are telling you you're almost there, it means you're almost there. It means that you're sharpening a craft which is really freaking hard work. Does that make sense? And that you might have this idea of that critical eye could serve you so well in the future in that thing that you do, but don't let that critical eye point at the who you are or you'll get into a place, a dark hole that'll be really, really hard to get out of. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, good. I want to make sure that that's, that that's you. Can we thank her for her question? And thank you, Dahlia, for being a part of this. Oh, hey. You're awesome. Okay, last question, and then we'll wrap up with a few things. Any other questions? Nope. I'm right in the here. back again where you can't in see In the me. darkness. Okay, I know it's a man voice, right? Okay. I just Hopefully. committed to that way early. So, yeah. I should have waited a second and been like, oh, it's a, okay. So, anyways, Hank, um, I just want to say thank you for everything that you do. And it's not really like, I guess, it's a question for you as in you give so much to so many people, and I'm sure there's so many people here on the podcast that are more than willing to give back to you. So what's something that we can do for you? Or like that just to encourage you more to keep oh, you wow. on that right track and to keep you feeling good. Wow. Whether it's just a Instagram comment or whatever it is. <laughs> or just, I, you know my love language. Things, you know. I do like when people like me, by golly. Um, I read wow, the book, are you five like, languages of love. What's that? Sorry, that I said the five languages of love. Yeah, exactly. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, <laughs> man, are you a plant from my wife or something? I feel like... Uh, seriously, thank you so much. I feel like for me in my life uh, and where I am, um, real candidly, I didn't, uh, about a year and a half ago when I stepped down from my role at Mosaic, uh, I feel like a high school kid who's trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life. Um, I, didn't have, I didn't ever imagine I would do anything except for Mosaic the rest of my life. Uh, so not, when I step off staff and I'm doing Adopt Together, which I'll do for the rest of my life, I don't know if it'll always be like a full-time job, but I share this with you because your question is so pertinent. As I feel like I'm sort of in this place where I'm just sort of like, huh, I wonder, I, I feel like everything, anything is possible. And I do, I, have two, I got two, I got, isn't that insane? I got two book offers, like 
real written thing saying, like, we would like to give you money to write words. That feels crazy to me. Um, and there's two of them where I'm like, and they're not a, any family member or anything like that. It's a real <laughs> thing. Um, I feel like I'm in that, that crazy place. So I would say, uh, for me, I, I have all these places I want to go and these things I want to do. And the most helpful thing, honestly, is that you would just pray for my life and for my family and pray for discernment and guidance that I would uh, choose a path that I'm proud of and always stay that way. Uh, it's, it's not easy, life. You notice that? And life has a funny way. Uh, it's so great how God has this really funny way. People always have said that phrase that when we make plans, God laughs, right? I feel like life loves to take our plans and just sort of like etch a sketch them and while, they're, while it's looking us in the eye, like ha, 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 ha. That's sort of what it feels like in my life. So truthfully, just praying for our family is huge. Honestly, when you're here, you have no idea what a gift it is for me that you, would, that you come to this place. And I hope there's hope here, and I hope there's helpfulness here, and I hope there's things that are helpful. But you cannot know when I walk out this room, when I look you in the face. Like when I speak, and I get to speak, I speak in hundreds and hundreds of rooms every year. When I come to this one, I look at you, and I'm like, I know what it took for you to get here. And you, I, you, you had to get in a car and you had to park in some crazy, this is the worst parking in LA. You, I know what it took for you to get here and the fight you had and the babysitter that you got and you getting here. It means so much to me that you're here for us to keep creating it because I just love to do this and I can do it lots of places but I get to do it here and I'm just so grateful that you're here to do that. And this is a super long answer to your question. And... Um, and the last thing is just is staying connected to me and us and we, whether that's um, serving or giving via Adopt Together, which I love and I'm so grateful for, or being here and being present. Honestly, this is a thing I love to get to do, and it's, it's, it's crazy. When I tell people about this, they actually don't believe me. They think I'm exaggerating, and it's a small living room type space that nobody hangs out in, and they're like, no, 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 it's like your family or whatever, right? You have a huge family. I'm like, no, people show up. I just posted on Instagram and sent an email, and they're like, no, nah, they don't believe it. So this is such a special thing that means so much to me, and uh, you're a part of that every time you show up and every time you bring someone and every time you step into it. So uh, I just want to say thank you so much because I'm... Uh, if, if, if you've ever looked at my Instagram and been like, what is he doing with his life? I, I, I'm not sure right now. Um, but I know I have things that I love and I'm just doing all the things I love and uh, I know that that's gonna guide us someplace. And in the meantime, I'm finding out uh, how to be the me I wanna be and, and fighting for that in a really, in a really intense way. So thank you so much for your question. Thank you very much. I just have one small hard question again. What, you have what? How's the ringing in your head going? Has that gone away yet? The ringing. Uh, you know, I didn't think about it until just now. Yeah, that's um, what No, I'm teasing. Uh, it, no, it's, um, it's actually, it's going way, way better. You know, I found a Russian bath on Pico, if anybody's interested. Uh, there's these Russian baths, and you go into the plunge pool, and then you go in the hot pool, and then you go into the cold pool again. Uh, that is actually, I, I, I fundamentally think that's saving my brain. Um, there's something about the science of hyperthermia that uh, is, is actually changing my whole uh, system. That, essential oils, and a whole lot of, like, just grit. Uh, traveling, that really sucks. So the ringing gets really, really super loud when I travel. I put on essential oils today because it got super loud uh, these last couple weeks. But um, you know what's crazy is, like, this sound is the sound that I um, would freak out of when I first heard it. And it's amazing how, you don't even realize how strong you can be when I hear this and I just go, ah, it's not as bad as it could be. Do you know what I mean? Like your, your soul, your whole self gets stronger. And then you're like, wow, this is the thing that would have me like in the fetal position. And now I'm uh, 
here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, it, it'll, I will handle it. That's definitely the thing since you told me. I've been praying for you for that for, for a while. So wow, thank like, you. I'm sure that's a uncomfortable. Thanks very experience. much. Guys, can we thank him one more time? You guys are awesome. How was that for you? Yeah? Okay. We're just about hitting our nine o'clock. We're about seven or eight minutes over. Uh, like I uh, said to our very kind and, and gracious friend, it means so much to me when you guys are here. And I'm so grateful that you're a part of this and we get to make this and create this. And the people who are listening to this from Australia, a lot of listeners from Australia, the people who are listening to this from Australia, New Zealand and Japan and Italy and Chile, they're listening to this and they're hearing your voice and your claps and they're hearing your stories and your questions. And I'm so grateful that you're here and you're a part of this. Uh, I love where we're going. And I'm here tonight to beg you. I'm here tonight to, to, to negotiate with you that you would be the you you want to be that it's not selfish for you to say, there's a me in my head and I just wanna get there. We are all wanting to live in the world that the you you wanna be lives in and makes and creates. We are all as a society desperate for you to observe the laws of your life, the voluntary muscles that get you to be involuntarily the person that you wanna be because I don't know about you, but I wanna live in the world where you are your best you where you are the you you want to be, that you are the you that God made and that God says, hey, there's more to you. So when you hear that little voice, that's not you being selfish and that's not something you can put off and schedule later after you meet the needs of other people. That's you and that's the essential piece that we need because I want to live and be a citizen like Jesus described of the next world, not this one. The one that we're going to make together, the one with peace and love and hope and faith. Are you with me for that thought? Uh, what I'm going to do is, if you've never done this before, I'm going to say a prayer for you, and then they're going to roll some music, and then we're going to hang out, and I'd love to say hi, and if we haven't met yet before, I'd love to hug you, and um, uh, we're just so grateful that you're here, but I'm going to say a prayer for you. If you've never prayed before, a prayer, the, the word to pray is a Shakespearean word, which means to just ask, and uh, what it basically means is that we're just asking God to uh, give us the courage for all the things we can change, and we're asking God to do something about the things we can't change. Uh, and we're just asking God to uh, move on us. So if you've never prayed before, uh, we're just going to ask God for those things. And if you aren't used to praying or uncomfortable praying, you can just take like a really big deep breath and fill your soul with gratitude for all the things that are in this life. Uh, and you can also visualize the you you want to be and let the prayer be that future. Uh, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this room. We thank you for these individuals who came into this place tonight. And I ask God that our world, that we would create the world that you have in mind, that we would be citizens of this world we would create where the violence comes to a close, where the racism comes to a close, where the hardship and the sabotage of families comes to a close. I pray that all of us, as we become the us we want to be, that that would usher in a world that is new, a world that you imagined and that you pull us towards. I thank you for Saeed and his story. I pray for his family and I pray for his choices and I pray that we would have a free Saeed in September and October and November when we gather in this place. We thank you so much for life. We thank you so much for our souls and our minds and our bodies. May we all be the we we want to be. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. You're awesome. Thank you for being here. Boom. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. 
I'm so glad you're with us and so glad you're a part of this dialogue. If there's anything that stood out to you that you like, please tweet at me. Uh, if you um, like this podcast in any way, shape, or form, if there's even a small shred of possibility that has had a positive experience in your life, please comment, post, um, uh, review it on in iTunes. We love that. It makes us feel good and gives me a little like warm feeling inside. So please do that. You can do it on your phone. It takes two seconds. You don't have to sign in or do anything. Just give it a little bacow. That would be awesome. Uh, th- next, we're on a uh, list of things called Stuff on My Desk. We should have a jingle for that. Colton is sitting next to me right now. We should... We're going to, note to self, note to us, we're going to have a jingle for that. So uh, if you're hearing a jingle in the next couple, you were here when the idea came about. Uh, A couple things I want to let you know about. Two books, uh, one item, which is a store in Los Angeles, and then something coming up in November. Um, So I'm going to go down the list in no particular order. Adopt Together. Uh, We made a book called A Family for Every Child, and it's so cool. We hired our friend, Ruthie, to put together essentially what is a tabletop magazine that walks you through the story of Adopt Together, what's wrong with the world, and how we can heal it. And uh, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. So I'm going to send a picture of this in the email. If you're not on our email list, join us by going down to the website, hankfortner.com, or go to 66866, type in that number, and text me your my name, Hank, to that number, and you'll be added to our email list. But Family for Every Child, this is a book we gave away at our event we did at the Chateau, and we're actually going to give it away also. It will be a takeaway for an event we're doing in Los Angeles, November 11th, called Baby Ball. We have tickets available, and we're only going to make them available for the next two weeks, and then we'll release them again. They're available at a great price, and I would love for you to jump in. November 11th, plenty of time to buy tickets and get hotels and do all that madness, but check it out. So that's what I wanted to let you know about is Baby Ball. We have tickets available for two weeks, and then the website's going to go dark, and then we'll launch it when we go, hey, we're doing... So I want want you to get in early, and it really, really helps us. If you have any inkling in your mind that you want to come... Please, 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 please buy a ticket because we make a lot of decisions in the planning process knowing who's committed already to being there and to bringing friends. So if you go in and you're going to buy a ticket, and please don't buy a ticket. Buy two, three, four, five, buy six, buy ten, buy someone for everybody in your company, buy one for everybody in your family. Uh, when you communicate to us that you're coming, we make lots of decisions around that, and so that would be super helpful for us. So that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, f- last week we uh, released a podcast with a guy named Michael Foster. And he's Mike Foster 2000 on Instagram, and he wrote a book called People of the Second Chance, P-O-T-S-C, which kind of sounds like POTUS when you look at it now. It kind of looks like a very governmental thing. Uh, wrote a book called People of the Second Chance, which is basically about how to um, give people second chances and how to find yours. So I want you to check it out. I think it's out, or at least it's out for pre-order, but I just wanted you to see it and wanted you guys to know, because I love Mike, I love his story, and I love what he's doing. And I have a handful of friends who have sabotaged their life and a handful of friends that have hit walls in life and really bottomed out. And it was their second chance that brought um, hope and redemption to them. And this is a guide on how to find your second chance and how to give them. So please check that out. Um, Another guy, this is a book. His name is Chris Marlowe, and I've known Chris for a little while. He's an adoptive dad, which is a bright, which makes him awesome. And uh, he wrote a book called Doing Good is Simple, Making a Difference Right Where You Are. Uh, he's the founder of a, of a company called Help One Now, or a nonprofit called Help One Now, which is a global advocacy organization that a bunch of people that you know are on the board of. He crushes it in terms of recruiting board members. He's, he's making me look bad. But his book is short, and it's simple, and it's beautiful. And I heard him speak in Atlanta. We were both at that um, conference called Plywood Presents, 
where I recorded a podcast that you'll hear um, next week. And it's just, yeah, it's just a great book. So check it out. It talks about basically how to have the biggest impact right where you are uh, without, you don't have to travel anywhere far. You can just do it right now. So uh, check out his book, Chris Marlowe, Doing Good is Simple. Lastly, I wanted to show you, um, and I'm reaching for it like you're seeing me, but you're not seeing me, uh, is Warby Parker. Uh, I'm not the first person to tell you about Warby Parker. Hopefully, if I am, you need to get out more. But there's a company here called Warby Parker. They make sunglasses, and they are essentially the Toms for sunglasses. They are one for one. Um, so what they do is when you purchase them, they support someone in a third world or in a struggling country, struggling part of the world. Um, now, the interesting thing is I'm not pimping uh, Warby Parker because you probably already know about it, and they, Jay-Z is an investor, so they have a lot of help. But what's cool about War these Warby Parkers is these are my favorite sunglasses, and I should send you a picture of me i'll post a picture of me wearing them they're my favorite sunglasses the interesting thing about that though is not the warby parker thing but where i got them in downtown los angeles in the arts district there is a store it is called alchemy works uh, this place is like a magical wonderland of ideas and it feels like a gallery of cool stuff you can buy that also is very inspiring Every time I work downtown LA and I get like writer's block, like when I'm working on a deck I'm putting together or a talk or I'm writing a chapter or writing a proposal or something and I get stuck, this is a totally true story and I've told the owners, what I do is I go into Alchemy Works and I put headphones on and listen to music and I just walk around and touch stuff. It is one of the coolest shops downtown LA. You can follow them on Instagram. I think it's just at Alchemy Works. And they always have like a classic car because the owner has classic cars. So he just puts a classic car in the middle of the store. It's like a Mini Cooper or a Porsche or something beautiful. But it's one of those things where you walk through and you're like, this room, this room makes me feel cooler. And it makes me inspired. And the stuff is amazing. And the way it, they just find beautiful, simple things that is 100% worth your visit. So if you're in Los Angeles, go to Alchemy Works. There's a cool coffee shop right next door. And it's actually the sweet spot for me is that it's actually in a building that we used to have at Mosaic that I helped curate and help put together. And um, we used to be the tenants in that building for two years. And then when we left, they moved in and it, they just crushed it. I wish I had the, the creative vision to have created what they created. So check them out, Alchemy Works. I love this family that's put it together. I love the whole experience and the whole vibe. It's really inspiring and they have some really, really cool stuff, which is where I got these beautiful Warby Parkers. Guys, that's stuff on my desk. That's everything I've got for you. If you're not on our email list, join us. If you haven't reviewed or uh, given us some stars, please do that. And we are so grateful that you listen. I'm so grateful that you're here. And every time you press play, it's a little vote for what we're doing. And I just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Now go live a typically hazardous life. <laughs>